Grab the family, grab a flight, and grab a breakaway with CityWing.com. Sponsors of Women Today. Conister Rocks. First of my good afternoon. It is just gone six minutes past two, and this is our special Conister Rocks biographical series of Women Today with myself, Christy D. Haven. Um, me, Howard Kane. Hello again, Howard. Hello, how are Thank you for joining us again today. Always a pleasure. For a very special programme, because as I said, it is the continuation of our Conister Rocks series, where we talk to some of the island's well-known personalities. We find out about their lives, the music that means something to them. And today, we're joined by a woman of many talents. She's an architect, conservation officer, musician, a renowned singer on the island, a composer, a watercolour artist, and much, much more. She loves walking in the Manx countryside and a good massage, presumably needed after tackling some of our more challenging terrain on the island. And she's a very proud mum to three successful children, one of whom, Marlene Hendy, some of our regular listeners will be aware of now. Yes, um, just two weeks ago, Sarah started her... her uh, career as you might put it with Max Radio I know she'd helped out last year but she's very excited and, and uh, enthusiastic about the programme that has been allocated to her which is a big responsibility but uh, having listened to both uh, of the, the installations I'm proud of that too and I, I think uh, it's something that really she's taken to and enjoying very naturally and I hope you know it goes from strength to strength. And interestingly, of course, following in your own footsteps in a way, because it's all about art and culture on the island. So that must also make you quite proud that she's gone in that direction. Yes, it it doesn't really surprise me. Um, Sarah, when she was a young child, uh, exhibited all sorts of talents and we never knew which direction she would go in. And she did English speaking board and she could sing, but she was also quite bright. and, uh, And it's no surprise to me that she's out there trying to encourage others and uh, being that interface between the arts in general, uh, music, um, the the performing arts and and art itself, fine art, and trying to kind of nurture that and bring that to the fore. I see you may well end up on one of the programmes in the future. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's interesting. In the information that you sent to us, uh, you say you're not a fan of social media. Why is that? I didn't quite say I, I, I am a fan of social media because it can be such a positive thing. It can uh, harness very um, constructive ideas and make people more aware of issues that uh, need to be publicised. But my experience, especially when I was a housing officer, you'd see people who would uh, be bullied by some of the social networks and um, sometimes a tenant would come in and, and say someone has has been bullying me and uh, we'd have to say well we're only a landlord we can't get involved it's not anti-social behavior in terms of a tenancy but it can be very distressing and for young people especially it uh, it can take them down some very dangerous routes and also elderly people they can become very au fait with social media but also be taken in easily so um People can be very judgmental sometimes in the way they speak or or um, do their entries on social media, not realising how far reaching that can be and how damaging. So all I, all I would say is think twice before you put anything into print and press that button. Very good advice, don't I think? <laughs> so that's my little, uh, you know, yeah. complaint about social media. But the potential is amazing uh, to do good as well. 
And you mentioned the difficulty sometimes when you're working as a housing officer that came through social media. And that job, that position or role itself, that must have been quite a challenging role, as well as I'm sure being, you know, so very rewarding at times too. But it must have been challenging. Um, yes, I, I kind of, I retired from Ramsey Town Commissioners last year and I ended up, my role there was housing and property manager with my architecture background. I was able to bring that to, to help as well, help the town. But um, the the role grew. I started off part-time and then it became full-time and um, managing sheltered housing as well and some big projects within the town. But um, I think I said I was very humbled at times. The people you would meet who didn't complain, didn't make claims, um, but really I don't know how people managed, um, both financially in terms of from day to day and week to week, elderly and young people and families um, living in rented accommodation uh, that, uh, you know, the, the rents in some cases were unbelievable. And so social housing is, is a great asset if, it's, um, if it can focus on providing for those who are in real need because there is a, a role there. And I have to say, everything I say is just my personal view. I don't represent anybody. Um, But uh, I I did. I felt humbled at times in dealing with with the many and varied uh, sections of our community. And uh, all you can hope to do is improve their lot and help if you can. But you can't always help because, you know, there are provisions, rules and regulations. And um, a lot of the myth of, you know, you only have to have a baby and you'll get a house. That doesn't happen, I'm afraid. There are um, provisions that, frameworks that allocate uh, points for housing. And uh, it's all, it's across the island. It's a framework that's applied in what I believe is a very fair way. But um, there's still a lot of work to do there. And I know that I'm not the only one that thinks that uh, both in political circles and, you know, the man in the street as well. Were you surprised at the levels of difficulties that some people were having on the Isle of Man? Because, of course, the, the view quite often from outside is that everyone's all right over here, aren't they? I was astonished. Um, it gave me a bit of a, a wake up when I moved from being a professional person in architecture and conservation. And then I had uh, a period of time where I, I did consultancy work and when the children were kind of all over the place. And um, and then I took that role on and it was, it shocked me. And um, I know there is a charity now, Housing Matters, and uh, that's grown and thank goodness it, it has, and the food bank. But um, homelessness was a word that really wasn't part of the vocabulary when I took the role uh, about 12 years ago. And... Uh, but it is now. People are, again, aware through social media of what what is out there and what isn't out there. And um, yes, I was surprised and um, very privileged to be able to help some people. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your background in architecture there. Obviously, that was your, your main career for a lot of your life. You, you do attribute at least some of that uh, to the influence of your father. And you say, I'm proud that I achieved what he would have hoped for me. Yes. Uh, well, I, in a way, I was a dad's girl and he'd go to work and I would go with him at weekends. And uh, I can remember going when he'd be setting a fireplace or he'd go around the jobs and make sure it was up to scratch. And that would be from quite an early age, from being six or seven. And uh, it wouldn't be allowed now, but no. um, oh, it was lovely. Uh, and I can 
there's a certain smell when you go into a, a building site or a new house and uh, that that kind of was part of me as well but he had uh, well in in his in his building firm or the firm that was run by his, he and his brothers i think there were four brothers that operated the Kinraid brothers the builders and they were very good really and when i was old enough to go and help i was allowed to go and work with dad in the summer holidays and um and uh, and then when I actually I went into my teens, when I was singing with Manid Folk, I had long hair, so I would have plaits tucked under this bobble cap. And then I'd be going home and getting a shower and mum would be combing paint out of my hair before we were going to sing at somewhere like the Glen Helen or the Majestic or something. And uh, But dad, he was a clever fellow. Mum and dad were both bright and mum did the books and dad was um, he in those days you could do drawings if you were a builder that that could be submitted for planning and uh, and I think I I told you you know when when he signed up to to go and serve when World War Two came he was in the RAF and he he learned an awful lot more through um, I remember talking about trigonometry and and engineering and the mathematics he learned there that he wouldn't really have had the opportunity to do so when I went down the route of architecture. Uh, which was a long training and uh, they were very supportive and he was very proud and um, you know I've got pictures of my graduation and he's it's glowing you know it's great. So, <laughs> what what yeah. did the other chaps on the building site when you were going out with your dad there and going to work in a, in a sort of fairly male dominated world were they interested to see you turn up? Well um, my dad's brothers were all kind of they're all quite mature, you know, because um, it was a very a traditional building firm. But then they had other younger uh, workers and they got used to me after a while. Mm. And um, I remember uh, running down the site one day and I'd, I'd lifted up all these bricks and it, it was teeming with Parsons pigs, wood lice. Oh, yeah. And I just I just had a fit, you know, so off I went running down then. And then somebody came and got me back and said, don't be so stupid. And just get on with it. <laughs> but, Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, you are listening to our Conister Rocks guest this afternoon. It's Marlene Hendy. If you would like to uh, comment on anything we're talking about with her today or ask any questions or maybe you have some memories of Marlene or Man in Folk or any of the projects she's been involved with, do text 166-177 or you can email studio at manxradio.com or, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. Just use the hashtag MRWomenToday. It's just gone coming up to 17 minutes past two. Now, Marlene, you say that you can recall a fair bit of your very early life, even back to being in the pram. I can, yes. Uh, surprising. And I know it was early because we moved house when I was two and a half. I can remember being in the pram and this string of kind of toys going across the front of the pram. And I can remember being frustrated. I wanted to get them off the end of the elastic and they wouldn't come. And I think I was a bit of a handful for mum. Um, I, I cried a lot, I think, or I grinned a lot. And uh, and she, I remember also being turned upside down. I must have had a habit of putting things in my and sw- swallowing a thruppany bit and seeing the world upside down and daddy kind of patting me back and shaking me. And, and again, that was quite young. That was quite young. Um, but... I mean, I can't remember things from last week, so maybe there's some there's some story in that. Um, but no, I can. And I remember Daddy. Um, he would always be singing. Uh, uh, we we shared love of music. And when I'd be working on the building sites with him, he'd start a song and I'd join in and then somebody else would join in. So um, 
he'd be getting ready on a Saturday night and he would be singing, you know, his favourite songs. Um, and uh, one, one that he, he often used to start singing was um, My Choice, uh, if I can go into that. You can, your first yeah. music choice, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us what that is. Well, he loved Kenneth McKellar and uh, My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose. And in fact, I have that in my repertoire now. I play it with guitar and... Uh, So I'd love to have that and it will remind me of Dad and my very happy childhood. Well, here he is, Kenneth McKellen, the first choice of our studio guest this afternoon, Marlene Hendy. Beautiful voice there of Kenneth McKellar. That is the first choice of our studio guest this afternoon, Marlene Hendy. That is, my love is like a red, red rose. Now, we've talked a little bit about your father, Marlene. I'm intrigued by his own childhood because it was actually very difficult, wasn't it? Yes, as it was for many people in those days. Um, I think Daddy was born in 1914, I think, yes. Um, But... Yes, his father died in the 1918 flu epidemic, leaving a widow with nine children. Nine children. And they lived out at the Len. It's un- unbelievable, in a cottage out on on, on the Len shore almost. And um, I think Billy Neal farms up there and they still call the field Kinraid's Field. Uh-huh. And uh, so she was left with these nine children to, to bring up. Um, and there was no social security then, so... I suppose they relied on charity and the the kindness of neighbours and people in in the parish. And um, I know Daddy used to say, you know, there'd be a pan of broth, and if you eat if you eat your, your dish quickly, you get to have maybe scrape the the, the pot or have a little bit more. But uh, and they used to have to walk to school at Andrews, and sometimes in the summer they'd have no shoes. And um, we just don't know, do we? That no. And and uh, Mama Raid, which is abbreviation of Mamakin Raid, um, she had the same name as me, but I'm not going to tell you that on national broadcasting. <laughs> um, but she could sing, and uh, and that's it was Pastor Daddy, and it's come down to me and my three children all sing, and uh, 
she also loved to sit and listen to the the gramophone, the wind up gramophone oh, uh, at night, according to my dad, you know. What a lovely imagery that that paints there. And um, you you mentioned as well that in your early childhood, you spent a large part of it overlooking Ramsey Bay. Uh, What are some of the lasting images of of that part of your childhood? It was amazing. I mean, when you look back, it always seems sunny and uh, endless days spent on the beach. We lived just across the road and it it had been a, a boarding house. And in fact, my dad and mum and then one of his sisters and her husband, they bought the house together. So it had something like 10 bedrooms. So there's plenty of room for us all and two kitchens and a lovely, what I would call a piano noble, a big lounge on the first floor with a big white marble fireplace. And we'd have big family Christmases there. But looking out, you'd see the boats coming into the pier from Ardrossan and Belfast and Dublin. And, and I actually caught the boats from there on school trips and things and you'd hear the what we used to call the bbs the boys brigade coming from belfast and the pipe bands coming in along the pier and i'd have the bedroom window open we'd be on the top floor and you could hear the music drifting across the bay and all the the fairy lights and uh, yeah magical and uh, i know you know there's the friends of the pier or the the, the ramsey queen's pier trust and in fact dillis and i are singing for them later this year i think um, it would be a shame if that pier was lost to us forever because it's it's iconic, really. And again, one of the key things is finding a use for it. Um, but anyway, we can't solve everything in one afternoon, can we? No, no, sadly not. No. But uh, it does seem like there's more positive uh, sort of movement happening with the pier, which is really yes. good to hear. Um, we are speaking with our studio guest this afternoon, Marlene Hendy, for our special biographical Coniston Rocks series of programmes. We'll be finding out more about what other magical musical choices she has in store for us in just a few minutes' time. The Nation Station, Radio. Women Today, brought to you by CityWing.com for your next flight away. You are listening to Women Today. It's just coming up to 28 minutes past two. And as I mentioned, we are joined by Marlene Hendy today, finding out a little bit about her life and also her her love of music too. And Marlene, looking back uh, now to your academic years, shall we say, um, you said that you had difficulty choosing a career path because, as we've been hearing, you were something of an all-rounder. Yes, quite, quite difficult for me and for my parents and my teachers trying to helped me work out what I wanted to do and I actually went and auditioned for Manchester Royal College of Music and was offered a place but um, they said you've got other strings to your bow I wanted to do opera but I wanted to be centre stage and no one can say to you yes you're going you're going to succeed and um, Alan Pickard was there in my early life the wonderful Alan Pickard great teacher made music fun and he was the one that spotted there was some music in me and even the melody writing and um, so he he persuaded my parents to let me have piano and violin lessons with him until he then left the island and went off to Gresham's in Kent uh, but I then carried on and uh, carried on with the violin and piano and then I took singing lessons because I realised that was probably uh, what I would use as a main subject if I if I went on to study music, but um, uh, in the end, I just and my parents as well. They didn't want me to be in this precarious profession where you might be living hand to mouth, and uh, and I didn't really want to teach, so I chose to have music as a a hobby, which I don't think I've regretted, and um, I went down the architecture route eventually, and. Um, 
as part of my training, I did conservation as, as a module, but then once I graduated, I also did a postgraduate conservation diploma, and that uh, helped me uh, in the role I took as the island's first conservation officer, which was very difficult, but very rewarding. Mm. So you obviously, as you said, you sort of had to put music to one side, but you did continue with your music, obviously. I'm wondering if you remember your very first public performance and what that was like. Depends what you call public. I, I remember standing on a, a a stool at the back of our house in the street <laughs> and singing at a concert uh, for sixpence. And uh, yeah, that was, I think, the first. And I would only be... Oh, I'd be about four or five. Um, and I can't remember what I sang, actually. But, uh, <laughs> as long as you got the money. That's the yeah. <laughs> but I'm fortunate that, you know, at school, um, my parents worked hard. We were only working class, but they worked hard to give me and my elder sister, Linda, and my younger brother, Michael, every opportunity that a working class family could hope to have. And the school, Ramsey Grammar School, took us on trips to Manchester and Stratford-on-Avon and uh, and Liverpool. I remember seeing the Messiah. Uh, but the one thing that does stick in my mind is the very first opera I went to see, which was La Boheme and Puccini. And apparently my grandmother also, this was her favourite opera. And uh, I cried. Um, uh, I didn't cry loudly, but uh, it brought tears to my eyes. And I think I'd be about 13 or 14 then. And it's an interesting thing, actually, for a 13 or 14 year old to be able to grasp something like opera, because it is quite a complicated thing, isn't it? Well, Puccini is a very romantic composer and appeals to your senses. So if you want to start anywhere, Puccini is a good place to start. And his melody is just amazing, melody writing. And uh, it was either Your Tiny Hand is Frozen or um, They Call Me Mimi and... uh, so that would be my next choice.
beautiful voice there of Leslie Garrett. That was uh, our next choice of music by my studio guest this afternoon, Marlene Hendy, uh, who's part- taking part in our Conister Rocks biographical series of programmes. And uh, Marlene, in the background there, you told us a little anecdote about about Leslie Garrett. Yes, because I didn't know which recording you, you'd have, but uh, a little claim to fame. Um, I was part of Island Opera when it existed uh, oh, quite a long time ago now, but for about three years. And uh, one of the productions was the Magic Flute, and I was Papagena, the, the the Bird Woman. But in the first act, I have to come on as an old woman dressed in all these widow's weeds, and and you couldn't really see who it was. But uh, inside the label of that costume, which was quite a grand affair, was the name Leslie Garrett. It had been made for her. <laughs> so there, I didn't know that was going to come up. No. Did it feel a bit more magical? Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Now, moving on now, of course, a lot of people will know you from, and there is a wonderful photo of this on Instagram and also on our Facebook, from Man in Folk. Tell us a little bit about how all that came to be then. Um, I never would have thought I'd become a member of a folk group on the Isle of Man, but um, my mum had seen an ad in probably The Courier or something similar and had hidden it. Um, But my job on a Saturday morning was to to clean the fire and lay it again for, for the evening. And I was, as you do, I was, I can remember kneeling by the fire and just reading through all the, the ads. And I saw an advertisement for a girl folk singer uh, with this new band. And I went running out to the kitchen. I said, Mum, look at this. She said, where did you get that? She said, I thought I'd thrown that out. Um, because she knew I'd be drawn to it. And I applied and uh, the rest is history in a way. Um and um, it was great fun. It did distract from studies, I have to say. My A-levels weren't as good as they might have been, but um, uh, wonderful memories, many years of making music, meeting all and singing alongside all sorts of people, the Dubliners and Julie Felix and uh, magical times. And for me as a young woman, you know, it was like being a star. It was amazing. But a very different medium to opera, though. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, but... I was having singing lessons. Dougie Buxton was my main teacher and uh, he didn't really agree with the folk music side of things, but it was a kind of singing, not pop music, it wasn't harming the voice. And it actually, I think, helped purify the voice because I didn't develop this wobble that Mm. sometimes people get. Um, So I think, in a way, the two intertwined quite successfully because I did do formal you know more classical singing as well and uh, yes one fed the other really and you say that uh, at one time you were singing six nights a week I know it's unbelievable isn't and it? that was in the summer months obviously and some of the venues as well that you yes, sang in are yeah. no longer here anymore no we'd sing at the the beach hotel in Ramsey two or three nights a week and then we'd go and do a midnight cabaret at the majestic hotel and uh and well when you're young you can do it can't you and we also sang at the Peveril and the Glen Helen. I remember singing at Bradder Glen, never getting paid for that. Um, lots of things we didn't get paid anything for. Um, the checks in the post, so to speak. But, you know, Douglas Promenade was buzzing. Ramsey was still buzzing then. And uh, lots of happy memories and uh, lots of fun. We could tell some funny stories, honestly. I remember going to a party and there was that they had this pig and it used to drink Guinness and then it just ran round the room and lay on its side and went to sleep. You sure that wasn't a dream, Marlene? <laughs> that was up at Foxdale. 
it was an act <laughs> it was one of the acts uh. yeah and it's interesting though you know thinking of those different venues especially things like the majestic you know in your various roles as conservation yeah. officer being planning and everything it must make you really sad to lose buildings like that well it made me feel even more passionately about trying to save some of these buildings because um, they were part of my life but part of the Manx landscape and again intertwined with our history and what makes us special and uh, yeah very difficult I'm afraid quite a few of them burnt down Um, (laughs) not when we were in them or anywhere near them but there seemed to be a spate of um, unfortunate fires um, about yeah 20 30 years ago and uh, I think maybe insurance came into one or two of them but um, in the early days we used to um, cover numbers by various groups and one of our famous kind of bands that we used to cover was uh, the Seekers then Um, I know some of the fans here used to say I was the island's answer to Judith Durham (laughs) you'd be quite happy with that (laughs) I was I was but uh, she's still amazing I heard her singing uh, about two months not live but uh, still singing very well and uh, when my children came along um we used to have a song at bedtime as well as a story and one of the the, the memories I have is singing to them at bedtime and and it, um, this next song it's Morningtown Ride but I'd substitute their names Sarah at the engine uh, Lucy rings the bell Juan swings the lantern to show that all is well they'll, they'll tell me off for saying that but it's part of you know my happy memories really. Makes a sleepy noise Underneath their blankets Go all the girls and boys Rock and roll and riding Out along the bay All bound for morning town Many miles away That is the third music choice from our studio guest this afternoon, Marlene Hendy. What I'm really enjoying in the background here is listening to Howard and Marlene chatting and reminiscing about different stories, which is just one of those wonderful things about being on the Isle of Man, isn't it, Howard? It is, I suppose, isn't it? If you're of a certain age, as whatever that age may be. But I think you're right when you were just talking about going back when you were singing with the Man and Folk, and it's easy to forget now how vibrant that whole entertainment scene was because you had so many of the the hotels the smaller uh, hotels on the promenade that were up in Ramsey where they're going the beach and like you say the Bay Queen and they all had entertainment on through the season and yes, so you'd indeed. have yes. countless you know groups and singers magicians and hypnotists and people doing poetry you know all sorts going on throughout the season really which I wouldn't say it doesn't exist at all now but obviously 
the tourist business is so contracted compared to 40, 50 years ago that there isn't the business there anymore, I suppose. Well, well it's changed, hasn't yeah. it? I it mean, does. in those days, it was what we would term bucket and spade, but uh, mm. the quality was there. And, you know, when you see the the crowded beaches and the shows that went on in the Villa Marina Gardens and, and the palace, I mean, we used to go to the palace as a summer treat. But um, I think the island has still got a great future in tourism because of its special qualities and the walking and the sports. Look at the at the International Cycling Festival that's coming and then we had yeah, Cycle Fest last year, which was amazing at Milntown, where I lived just across the road. So it was just fantastic on my doorstep. Um, so, you know, although it was very busy and it has changed and we don't get the numbers, I still think there's a very vibrant and positive um, force that's there to bring tourism uh, back to the fore again. Mm. Wonderful. You are listening to Women Today. We'll be speaking more with Marlene Hendry, Hendy in just a few minutes' time. Sponsoring Women Today. Citywing.com for business or leisure flights. <laughs> Conister Rocks. This is our special edition of Women Today, our Conister Rocks uh, edition of Women Today with Marlene Hendy. Now, Marlene, uh, you studied architecture off island and you say it was extremely hard work, the course. And I wonder if at any point while you were doing it, you thought, do you know what, I just want to give it up and do music instead. Um, there were times when I thought, I don't think I can carry on. But I think that was because I was burgled and I also had the car stolen. And oh, my word. It was in Liverpool. But anyway, um, but um, you know, I mean, that's life, isn't it? But I sometimes have thought, what if? What if I'd gone down that other route? But um, then I look at what I have and the rich life that I have. And I, my children say, oh, Mum, don't say that. But I sometimes say, if I were to die tomorrow, I couldn't really complain. I've had such a fantastic life. Um, ups and downs and hard times as well but uh, my goodness I'm very fortunate I'm very fortunate so really I'm I'm lucky to have had such a full career and a varied career really yeah and you know obviously you did your course off island as we just said but you did come back you're clearly very passionate about the Isle of Man was that why you did come back to the island um partly I didn't think I would come back because at that time um things were quiet architecturally and when I came back there were no women architects it was almost unheard of when I tried to get in to qualify the long route you could do it like at night school over 10 years and uh, the only opening I could get was secretarial work in, a, in an architect's office on the island and uh, the late Ronald Kinley and Daddy said to me if there's something you want to do Marlene Ronald Kinley was an architect uh, of great renown on the island um, you must do it. You must do it. And uh, so I did. And no regrets. No, I met some fantastic uh, friends, both, you know, in the Liverpool scene, but also fellow students who now are across the world, really. Uh, so no regrets in that in that sense. But I met my husband that was to be and came back here. He'd moved to the island to be an able architect here. And I came back um, and uh, got married and had my family here. So great it was meant to be wasn't it really and then of course having had your children uh, a new musical partnership began which again a lot of people will know you for now with Dillis tell us about that um it was when I was actually um due to have Lucy it was in the December and Lucy was born in the January and Dillis Dillis Kacken Dillis Sowry um 
came up to me in, in a cafe in Douglas and said, you're Marlene, aren't you? Would you sing with me? So I said, well, who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> and so anyway, she told me, she said, well, I'm Norman Cacken's daughter. Who I said, well, I know Norman. He's a Cleveland medalist. So she came round to the house. We had to sing. Our children were similar ages and got on really well. And um, I had Lucy and we went in the Guild that year and we we won it to our great surprise. We won the Ladies' Voice duet. Um, we sang Pia Yezu then. And... Um, and we've been going ever since and have great fun. Our children have similar voices to ours. It's amazing. So they mimic us uh, behind our backs. And um, uh, yeah, great, great companion. And uh, our voices, we're very fortunate that they blend. And she recognised that. And it seems to be well received as well. And it'll be lovely to hear you back in the Guild again this year. Mm, not done that for a while, but because it's the 125th anniversary, I said, I think we should be doing that. I've been flitting away to the Pan-Celtic Festival in recent years, but I'm not doing that. Uh, we're going to do the Guild again, so we're looking forward to that. And you also then started composing, and it leads us into your fourth choice of music today. Yes, uh, as I set, touched on, yes, it, if I if I were to die tomorrow, I've had a great life, but I'm already. Um, you have to be very realistic about these things. I'm already clearing my papers so my children don't have to go through all the rubbish and sorting out what I'd like at my funeral. And this is one of the things I'd like to be played. <laughs> Sorry, <This laughs> the is, Secret Island. <laughs> this is Charles Gard recording of Secret Island. Thank you. beautiful crystal clear voice there of Marlene Hendy singing one of her own compositions Secret Island we'll be chatting a little bit more to Marlene after the break the nation station Manx radio fly shop and relax with city wing sponsoring women today 
clickcitywing.com. You are listening to Women Today, just about five minutes to three, and we have been joined today by Marlene Hendy. I just have to read a message to you, Marlene. Uh, what a treat listening to Marlene. Loved her voice and the Manin folk. Nominate her to run the tourist board too. She'd pack the island with her music and conservation knowledge. Go, Marlene. <laughs> So there you go. Oh, goodness me. I've got plenty on my plate at the moment. Thank you for for that uh, confidence. I uh, think she has got to. And speaking of, you can get your CDs around the island, can't you? Yes. um, Manx Museum have them, Manx National Heritage, uh, Shakti Man in Ramsey, Bridge Bookshop, and uh, also on Facebook as well, uh, our Facebook page. So, uh, yes, we're out there, Man in Folk and Dillis and my CD called Fayera at Last which took us five years to do, but it's there. And we'll post all the links on the Manx Radio Facebook page after the show. But uh, just need to introduce your final choice of music for us today, which is a lovely little story. Oh, um, well, when I had a special birthday uh, about five years ago, my partner now, Marius, he took me on holiday. I didn't know where I was going. But when I came back, um, I mean, I'm so proud of my children, but I came back to find they had uh, had a makeover in my house done the conservatory in the lounge which was amazing but then they planned a party for my 60th this was and they put a band together and the one number that they played with their uncle jerry and they all were playing instruments kazoos guitars percussion was paolo nutini's uh, pencil full of lead because they knew i just love it and it is a cracking tune marlene it's been lovely to have you with us today thanks so much and thanks to harry as well for being with us all this week uh, we're back with you on monday have a wonderful weekend thank you Nothing's gonna bring me down I'm out of blowing out